Howdy folks, welcome to A Green Way Forward, the program where we have weekly conversations on building nonviolent, independent, revolutionary political power through the Green Party and allied movements. I'm your host, David Cobb. I wanna thank you for joining us. And a reminder, as we always do with a hat tip to Gil Scott Heron, the revolution may not be televised, but it will be brought to you over the sources of non-corporately filtered news, information, and analysis. So if you're enjoying this program, heck, even if you don't like what I'm saying, but just enjoy the fact that there's somebody talking about independent political revolutionary process on uh, various media sources, make sure to share this link with others. If you're watching live on Facebook, share that on your own Facebook stream and do that often. And if you're listening to us on a podcast, thank you for that. Please share that podcast with others. And if you have not yet signed up for a green, at a greenwayforward.com or a greenwayforward.org, please do that so that we can continue to distribute over multiple platforms. Uh, I am very excited about having, be having this conversation because really what we're going to talk about is the Democratic National Committee. What is it good for? And with yet another hat tip, this time to war, the answer, absolutely nothing. And I wanna be very candid here, folks. I frequently work with people who are registered in the Democratic Party or rank and file members of the Democratic Party. You are my friends, you are my allies, I will work with you on issues. But I wanna make it very clear that we have to distinguish between the leadership of the Democratic Party, the Democratic Party as an institution, and the ordinary people who are doing most of the work for the Democratic Party. Because I believe it is with indisputable that principal liberals and progressives have been lied to and sold out by the ruling elite of the Democratic Party leadership who are taking their money and their marching orders from big corporations, Wall Street America, and the banks. That's the reason that the Democratic Party leadership is really a neoliberal party. And the first thing that I want to do is throw up a Harvard Business School study uh, into our comment section. And for those of you who want to take a look at it, uh, you can go to the website idn.us, uh, uh, independentvoternetwork.us, and you can literally take a look at a study that identifies the two-party duopoly as to blame for the government dysfunction. Now, this groundbreaking report was published just a few weeks ago, and I hope that it can help people to rethink how they think about political parties. The authors... Catherine Gell and Michael Porter say, quote, most people think of politics as its own unique public institution governed by impartial laws dating back to the founders. But this is not true. Politics is in fact an industry, most of whose key players are private gain-seeking organizations, end quote. So what do we think that Gale and Porter mean by calling politics an industry, which is after all a term that we generally think of uh, when we think about sectors of economic activity like energy or technology or banking. It means, in essence, that the Republican and Democratic parties are acting like private industries. They are acting in the interest of their own private, rational self-interest. The reality is that politicians have very little incentive to put the public interest first if they believe that 
blocking legislation is rewarded by their party. And here's the key, it inaction is not penalized by voters. So let's break that down for a moment. Let's recognize that I can cite poll after poll, study after study that shows the American people overwhelmingly support a transition away from coal and oil uh, and fossil fuels towards clean, sustainable energy. And yet the fossil fuel industry continues to dominate politics and policy. Why? Because they are the funders of both the Democratic and Republican parties. Make no mistake about it, the, the, the Democratic Party leadership are being funded by corporate interest. I could also talk uh, uh, about the, the desire for the American people uh, to shift to single payer healthcare or healthcare as a human right. And yet we see both Democrats and Republicans alike continuing to not only support uh, corporatized healthcare, but ensure that single payer healthcare never even gets on the table. I will never forget, nor should you forget or forgive the fact that when the uh, President Obama with a Democratic Party leadership in both the House and the Senate uh, was first considering healthcare reform, uh, Senator uh, Max Baucus, a Democrat who controlled that Senate hearing, refused to allow testimony from single-payer advocates, and even worse from that than that, he literally had nurses and doctors arrested for going in trying to make that argument. So anybody who believes for one second that the Democratic Party leadership is actually on the side of peace, justice, democracy, and ecology, I challenge you, don't just look at rhetoric, watch policies. Take a look at policies. So uh, the other thing I want to really lift up at this moment is the fact that the Green Party and other poli independent political parties and social movements are fighting day in and day out. And frequently, our opponents are the leadership of both the Democratic and Republican parties. One of the things that I want to uh, acknowledge is the huge success that actually happened in Pennsylvania recently. Uh, and that was a ballot access success. And I'll ask executive producer extraordinaire Michael O'Neill to throw up the ballot, the, the case from the U.S. News and World Report, ballot access eased for third party and independent party candidates in Pennsylvania. This settles a longstanding federal lawsuit it was brought by both Libertarians and Greens, and I would be remiss if I did not give a big shout out to Carl Romanelli, uh, a Green Party president, uh, senatorial candidate back in 2006, think about that, uh, that actually challenged that. Uh, and candidates running for U.S. Senator, Governor, and state offices previously had to get uh, at least 2% of the votes cast for top statewide vote getters in the last general election, which could total more than 30 times the number required for Democrats and Republicans. I'm going to say that again so people can really let that sink in. The state law operated to require Demo Greens, Libertarians, and Independents to get up to 30 times more petition signatures than were required for Democrats and Republicans. Uh, the, the new court agreement as a result of the lawsuit that was being pursued by both 
Greens and Libertarians is going to cap the signature requirement at 5000 for third-party candidates. Uh, they'll also no longer have to pay for legal challenges, which in the past have run into the tens of thousands of dollars. Uh, and I also want to lift up the fact uh, that uh, we now know in Pennsylvania that they are exploring requiring paper ballot uh, uh, receipts. Now, we believe that we should have paper ballot, period, uh, and that there should be robust uh, mandatory audits after every election and in any close race there should be a mandatory state-funded uh, recount of the paper ballot. So that's the gold standard. But the point I'm making is when Jill Stein and the Green Party stood up and demanded recounts in Michigan and uh, Pennsylvania and Wisconsin, we were fighting for election integrity. That fight continues. Uh, we are seeing benefits from the fight. Remember back in 2004, when the Cobb LaMarche Green Party presidential candidate demanded recounts uh, in Ohio, we helped to provoke a top to bottom review in both California and Ohio and many other states that had the effect of abolishing the so-called black box voting uh, machines in both Ohio and California and Maryland and many states. Again, folks, fighting for what is right is always on time. It's not enough that we simply calculate whether we can win a fight. Having a fight on principle puts us in a position to be able to continue to win. And I want to remind you that you are watching and or listening to A Green Way Forward. This is the program where we have weekly conversations on building nonviolent, independent, revolutionary political power through the Green Party and our allied movements. Social change is going to require a broad, educated, conscious mass movement, and it's going to require electoral politics to be done in that fashion. If you'd like to make a comment or ask a question and you're watching live, please do so in the links. Uh, Executive producer Michael O'Neill will be feeding those to me as we go forward. Uh, in addition to the critique that the Harvard Business School had on the two-party duopoly, I also want to turn to uh, what I thought was a very powerful piece in The Intercept uh, and want to acknowledge that this piece uh, was actually co-authored by Ryan Grimm and Lee Fang. In The Intercept, uh, this came out uh, about a week ago. Uh, it's titled The Dead Enders. Subtitle, Candidates Who Signed Up to Battle Donald Trump must get past the Democratic Party first. And this entire article delves into what is happening at the base level where progressive populists are getting into the Democratic Party, trying to line up to be the resistance. And what they're finding is that the Democratic Party leadership uh, is actually pushing back against them. I'm reminded of Barack Obama who said, quote, if you're disappointed by your elected officials, grab a clipboard, get some signatures, and run for office yourself, end quote. Of course, I bet Barack Obama did not tell or folks did not anticipate that before they could actually do that, that they would literally have to run through the Democratic Party at the state level and county and local level. In fact, 
what we're seeing is the Democratic Party leadership is literally resisting the resistance. Because for the leadership of the Democratic Party, what they're interested in are candidates who can raise a bunch of money. That They are prioritizing fundraising as the single issue about whether or not a candidate is viable. But remember that when you're prioritizing fundraising, as the Democratic Party leadership does, the effect is to create candidates and lawmakers who are further and further removed from the people that they're elected to represent. It's literally a filtering system. So this entire uh, process that people are experiencing is actually something that has been going on actually for over 40 years. And I wish that I did not see with clarity the role of manufactured consent that the corporate media plays, but also the filtering process that the Democratic Party does. And we see this happen at the state level. We see this happen at the local level. I can tell you here in Humboldt County, for example, there are many fantastic allies friends that I work on on issues day in and day out who are still struggling within the Democratic Party and what they're finding is roadblock after roadblock after roadblock are being set up by not only the state Democratic Party apparatus, but even the local Democratic Party apparatus. Uh, and you're seeing it, especially in California, where there are so many people who are furious that the Democratic Party leadership is refusing to enact single-payer health care. The legislation here is SB 562 in this state. But in essence, it, it would create and mandate health care for all, Medicare for all, a single-payer system, right? What's especially important to note here uh, is that the Democratic Party, when they controlled the state House and state Senate and a Republican was the governor, they passed it through the state House, they passed it through the state Senate, forcing the governor to veto it. Why? So they could get credit from their own base and say that the Republican governor vetoed it. But now that the Democratic Party controls the state House, the state Senate, and also controls the, the governor's mansion, they have literally killed it in its tracks. I think it's really important that we have to understand that in electoral politics, as soon as you've been taken for granted, you just got taken. And the Democratic Party leadership is taking environmental groups for granted. They're taking labor for granted. They're taking racial justice groups for granted. They're taking the entire issue-based constituency of progressives or the left for granted. And it's time for you, the voter, to say, ya basta, enough already. You actually have the power to refuse to vote for them because the Democratic Party does not own your votes. Neither does the Republican Party own the votes of principal conservatives. The reality is this. If you want systemic transformational change, you're going to have to have the courage to make them pay. You have to have the courage of actually standing for something. Uh, Layla writes in to ask, what kind of experience do you have to run for local office for the Green Party? Layla, the short answer is that is a condition of every local party. And I'm glad you asked it though, because 
and I'll use Humboldt County as an example. We have elected many people to the local office. We've got Greens sitting on water boards, soil and conservation districts, school boards, city councils, uh, and community service districts. Uh, in almost every example, the, the, the only actual, quote, qualification is a desire to participate in making your community better. And I'm not being, uh, I'm not being coy and it's not just a platitude, but Layla, I want to really be clear that to run for local office, what you need is passion and you need commitment. And in most places, you can actually get support from local greens. Now, the reality is that we have elected tens of thousands of greens to local office all across this country. In fact, uh, a, we did uh, a survey uh, and actually took a look at the numbers. Uh, and what we found is in the last decade, the thousands of races in which we've run, actually tens of thousands of races that we've won, greens win about 30 to 40% of them at the local and county level. I want you to let that sink in for a moment, folks. When Greens run at the local level, we win. And when we win, we prove that we can govern. Greens govern effectively according to the four pillars of the International Green Party movement, peace, justice, democracy, and ecology. So I appreciate, Layla, you writing in with that question. And I also wanna use it as a challenge to you, the viewer slash listener. That's right, you could literally run for office yourself. And if you're not up to running for office yourself, I wanna invite you to help somebody else who's running for office. I want you to think about the idea that you actually have a heck of a lot more power than you dare to believe if you actually organize and collectivize with people. I am very grateful for those of you who are participating by listening to this podcast, watching this live stream. And I want to push you to say, yes, please share this with other people. And I want to push you even further and say, get involved in your local or state Green Party. Get involved uh, in the local effort for racial justice in your community. Get involved in an effort to shut down uh, uh, the, the prison industrial complex. The reality is we've got to build a movement uh, that actually cuts across issues and recognize that what we're really about is actually building power. And I think that, that when we do that, we will understand that the Democratic Party leadership is actually part of the problem. Uh, you know, in district after district, what we're finding is that the Democratic Party National Committee and uh, the, the, the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee are throwing their weight behind candidates who are out of step with the national mood and who are out of step with the progressive populist sentiment that is sweeping the country. In fact, the DCCC has officially named 18 candidates uh, as part of uh, their program of, of folks that they are actually going to watch. And every single one of them is actually a corporatist. Every single one of them. 
So I understand that there are people who are continuing to try to work within the Democratic Party, but I don't think that that is going to work. Now, I'm not going to be mad at people who are trying to still work within the Democratic Party, but I'll say this. When you finally quit the Democratic Party, and you will, I will not say I told you so. I will welcome you into the Green Party. Uh, I will... Uh, I will be grateful for your participation because I want you to consider this. As hard as it is to create an alternative political party, I actually think it's easier and more effective to get to the world that I and other genuine progressives and revolutionaries want to live in outside of the two-party system, outside of the establishment political parties. Here's a, here's a note. They're called the established parties because they currently exist to promote and defend the existing establishment. And the existing establishment is fundamentally racist. It's fundamentally sexist. It's fundamentally class oppressive. Oh, and as if that's not bad enough, and it is bad, let's acknowledge this. The huge transnational corporations that the neoliberal Democratic Party are pandering to are literally going to destroy the planet that we depend upon for life itself. The, uh, the, the fact is that there is a very real shift going on with the American people. More and more people are recognizing that there are two basic classes in this society. There are the owning class, and then there's the rest of us. And I'm not even going to say working class anymore, because with the advent of automation, robotics, and technology, uh, we are quickly moving into a genuinely laborless society. And what that means is that for most of us, and I mean the overwhelming majority of us, we are going to have to recognize that we share a class. And that class is the exploited, the class of the oppressed, the class of the non-owners. Because the reality is that there is a ruling class that actually controls everything. They are an oligarchy. And if we're going to actually resist the oligarchy, we're going to have to resist not only uh, the transnational corporations, but also both of the two corporate political parties. Um, the last thing that I want to do is take a moment uh, to really drill down uh, on an example of how just shameful the Democratic Party is, because in the just last week, the Democratic Party leadership, 36 senators uh, who were Democrats and 73 members of the House voted against the Dreamers. What do I mean by that? I want to remind you that, that the Democratic Party repeatedly promised to protect immigrant families, but they have literally thrown the dreamers under the bus. Before we even, though, talk about uh, the dreamers themselves, remember that the whole process of the dreamer program was a neoliberal band-aid that deporter-in-chief Barack Obama actually created. So it's not as if uh, protecting uh, DACA or the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals was actually a great system. If you want to see a great immigration policy, go to the Green Party's platform and take a look at it. Uh, but what we did see is in a dead of night vote, 73 Democrats in the House, 
36 Democratic senators joined Republicans to pass uh, a spending bill that did nothing to protect immigrant communities, threw undocumented dreamers under the bus, despite the threat from Donald Trump and the Republicans to make matters much worse. I want to quote now Antonio Alacarn, a recipient of the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrival, uh, who said, quote, Democrats have failed to remain united and use their leverage in budget negotiations to ensure that we are protected, he said. Congress's failure is astonishing. Now, I want to go further and point out Merced Zahid, political director of Credo, said, quote, for the second time in three weeks, Democrats refused to fight for dreamers when it mattered most. Nancy Pelosi said for months that would she, she would use her leverage and fight for dreamers. Instead, she followed Senator Chuck Schumer's lead and gave Trunk and congressional Republicans exactly what they wanted. An eight-hour floor speech was a tactical, futile gesture. It did not serve any strategic purpose or protect the dreamers in any way. Uh, uh, so I think that it's really important to recognize that when the chips are down, when it really matters, the Democratic Party will throw anybody under the bus. I want to circle back and remember the Harvard Business School study that said you have to understand the Democratic Party as an institution is actually part of an industry. And the industry is to protect their existing incumbents, and their donors. Don't just look at platitudes. Don't just look at, at, uh, at, at, at talking points. You have to look at policy proposals. You know, I remember uh, Bill Clinton and the incredible, wonderful rhetoric that he would use. And yet, when it came to policies, Bill Clinton enacted NAFTA, the North American Free Trade Agreement, which literally destroyed organized labor in this community. Bill Clinton uh, created the Anti-Terrorism Act, which led to the Patriot Act, which literally was an assault on civil liberties. Bill Clinton and the neoliberals uh, enacted the Telecommunications Act of 1996, which is the reason that we now have a thoroughly corporatized uh, corporate media where there are only six major corporations controlling 90% of all the media. I could go on and on and on. The reality is Bill Clinton and Barack Obama, and yes, ev almost every leader at the, at the high level of the Democratic Party will, uh, will, will, will use language and words and rhetoric uh, that is progressive, but their policies are corporatist, militarist, and imperialist. I like what Pete says, that we are the trickled-on class. Delenn also says, yes, David, we welcome all defectors with open arms. That includes, by the way, principled conservatives who are fed up with the Republican Party. Uh, that includes principled progressives who are fed up with the Democratic Party. That includes those viewers and listeners who have given up on politics altogether. And I tell you, join the Green Party so that we can build a mass movement that is large enough, strong enough, powerful enough to literally restructure this society. Because I don't think that it's enough for us to tinker at the margins. I think we have to con confront the, the racist, sexist, class oppressive nature of this society and restructure the whole rotten mess. I want to conclude the way I began this program. 
to ask you to go to the website, agreenwayforward.org or agreenwayforward.com and sign up so that we can continue to give you podcasts, live streams, and other and find other platforms to get this message out. I want to also give a big thank you to Michael O'Neill, the executive producer of this program, who is also a Green Party organizer in the state of New York. I want to thank you, the viewer slash listener, for participating in this program. Remember, folks, we can do it. We've got the power. We just have to exercise it. Peace.